Greetings, Peace everybody. everybody. <laughs> I didn't know you were going to start. Greetings, everybody. This is Michael Rosso. I'm here in the studio with John Fidelli. Hey, how you doing? And this is the Film Photography Podcast, episode 87, September 15th, 2013. And this is the Hey, We're Back show. It's the Back to School. Hey, We're Back. <laughs> it's Special. the back, back to Shooting show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is the first show after our long break, and I want to welcome everyone back. It's it's great to be back. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, we've been getting emails over the summer. Yeah. A lot of exciting stuff going right. on over the summer, mm-hmm. and we're going to be filling everyone in as to what's been going on and what's been happening. Mm-hmm. This is a really exciting show. It's jam-packed. It's like... Beyond jam-packed. We are going to be talking about, you know, what we did on our summer vacation. Mm-hmm. We're going to be having some news. Ooh. We have a very special interview with photographer Amy Arbus. Who that? Amy Arbus is a photographer. Yes. Yes. And she was interviewed by our very good friend, Amy Davies. Oh. And? The two Amys. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And we will be reading some letters. Mm-hmm. And then we have a very special interview with uh, UK photographer Terry O'Neill. Yeah. Yes. I can't wait to hear that. He's, good, he's the man. Our good friend, UK correspondent Vivian Lee, conducted that interview. Wow. Then we're going to be talking about, we have a contraption here. Very quickly, I'm going to be talking about hand-rolling film. Oh, it's a very cool contraption. Rolling your old 35-millimeter film, which up until, like, just, you know, a few months ago was completely unknown mm. and completely scary to me. Like, it was just like, how do you do it? Mm-hmm. Now you're doing it every night. Yeah. yeah. While catching up on my uh, Seinfeld episodes. Hey, are, are you serious? Yeah. That's what you watch? We still get a lot of uh, letters from people who still say that you sound like George Costanza. <laughs> I, don't say, I don't hear it's it. It's ridiculous. Okay. I don't do I I guess I don't I know. I guess maybe. I don't know. Then we're going to be uh, going to some segments of the Jersey Boys. Yeah. Dane Johnson and Mark Dalzell. Yeah. With their uh, good camera crappy mm-hmm. camera apocalypse. You know, they could uh they could do the segment from now till like 2030 they with the cameras they currently own. Yes. Without buying any more new cameras. That's how many cameras these guys have. That is true. And we're going to start things right off with, you know, hey what we did on our summer vacation, and mm-hmm. I did a lot of shooting, mm-hmm. and I think as you did as well. I did more than I normally do, that's for sure. I wouldn't call it a lot, but I did more than I normally do. We're going to be having a segment, uh, a posting on our FPP website, filmphotographyproject.com, what what I did shot on my summer vacation, mm. and we're going to encourage you to write in to tell us what you shot with. Right. Podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. Bing! Send us uh, information about you know what you shot, what camera you used, or cameras, what film stocks you used, and why. It's going to be a long list for some people. And then attach some JPEGs, 200 DPI by like six six, six inches at the widest point. Uh, keep it tight, like you know, keep it tight, <laughs> keep it tight because you know keep it very condensed. Keep it you know two, three, four, five paragraphs. Yeah, keep it organized. Keep it organized. Don't ramble. No, don't ramble and uh, send that over to us. What I did on my summer vacation, what I, sh- what I did shot on my summer vacation. So, John, just like quickly tell, tell us like what was in your bag and what did you shoot? My last vacation, which I just got back from, I had my Mamiya 645 in there and I shot two rolls of, what did I shoot? Some Lomography 200 E6 and some F-Key 25. This was in your Mamiya M645? Yeah. yeah. Wow. So I wanted to shoot some 25 on the beach, which I did. So How did you meet her? I uh, used the iPhone. Oh, you did? iPhone uh, app, the monitor. It's usually, 
you know, does pretty good for me. And then for 35 I bought your beater camera. What is it? The Canon EOS? Ca- the Canon EOS XS. Yeah, it got a lot of sand on it. Oh, it did? It was very windy on the beach, and there was a lot of sand. How did up. it hold up? Well, we'll find out when I get the pitches back, but it didn't malfunction at all. Okay. Um, so I bought that on the boardwalk and on the beach, and then I had the uh, Holga 135 just, uh, you know... Kicking around just for and whatever. these are all the rolls you shot in the Canon EOS yeah. camera? Now, I shot nine rolls, and I was like, wow, I shot nine rolls. And Mike says to me, I say, so Mike, how many rolls did you shoot on your last vacation? And Mike says to me, 30. <laughs> At least. I thought oh, I had you beat. Fact, That's unbelievable. Where is my list? All 35, or you shot 122? Mostly 35. 25 rolls. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot. Now, when you put... These rolls of non-DX coated film, did you remember to go in? Yes, I did. And the one time I put in, I had a C41 roll. Well, I shot 10 because I just had one dropped off at the uh, CVS. Okay. I forgot to change it, and like halfway through, I was like, oh, no. And I went to the ISO setting, and of course, it was DX coated, so changed it for me and saved me. Okay. What did you shoot? What What was the ASA of the film? This stuff? 200? Uh, yeah, I had a 400 roll of Kodak. Okay. Um, what, what's that stuff? Gold. Okay. Gold, I tell you. Yeah. And the rest was all... Mm, I can't wait to see this black and white Cinepan. Yeah, this is uh, Eastman. Double X. Yeah, this is Eastman Double X. 5222. Motion picture film. Yeah. Few people turned me on to this. And there's a whole site, uh, Double X. If you, if you type in Eastman Double X, you'll see there's a whole site yeah. dedicated to this film. And it's like butter. <laughs> like butter. It's like butter, the butter of film. Even better than butter. It's a 200 ASA and a, a, a uh, worthy replacement for Kodak Plus X for folks out so there. So what, what, what was the website? Oh, if you type in Eastman Double X. The Google. There should be a dedicated site. I'd be curious what comes up when you hit the Google for that. The Google. Double X. Project Double X. That's it. Project? It's called Project Double X. Wow, look at that. And it's a site dedicated to this fine film stock. The filmphotographystore.com, which is our very own FPP store, now stocks this film. You could buy it in in, uh, 35 millimeter cartridges, or you could buy it in bulk rolls of what I call manageable 100-foot rolls. They got a flicker pool. Oh, yes, they do. Yeah. They're going to join it? Sure. Well, look at these beautiful images. Oh, hey, really quick. Uh, oh, the images are amazing. Oh, they're awesome. Oh, what happened? This new flicker. <laughs> really smooth. It's got really l- nice latitude. I mean, look the at blacks, that. The blacks, there's blacks, and there's a lot of grays. Yeah. You mentioned Flickr really quick. I did want to mention there was an uproar over the summer because Flickr changed formats. Ah! Now, what's interesting about you complaining about Flickr, as many people have, is that you're on an iPad, and yeah. I have an iPod Touch. And I felt that you, you're going through a website. You're not using the app. You could use the app. No, I could on this, yeah. The, it works. The new Flickr works very well in the app, hmm. in the iPhone app. So, yeah, on, on the home computer, it really is It's very difficult unnerving. on the home com- computer. And uh, Film Photography Podcast, we have our own group on Flickr. And it's a very active oh. group. And I encourage people to join it. And I hope people were not discouraged and that they left Flickr. Yeah. Uh, I'm really happy that, you know, most people I know, yourself and the other guys and Matt and all the uh, FPPers stuck with Flickr. Where is everybody else absconded Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It is upsetting when, you know, everyone, when companies change formats, but the service is free, so it's free now, you know. Yeah. So, you know, I'm glad everyone's stuck with it. So on my summer vacation, I shot a lot of uh, 
chrome film, mm-hmm. color slide film, yeah. uh, some uh, a lot of Kodak Ektachrome, uh, a lot of... Yeah, you gave me... I got a couple of rolls of that. A lot of Fujichrome, Provia, 100F. Velvia. I didn't shoot any Velvia. No. I shot a lot of this Kodak Hawkeye traffic surveillance film. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a great film. Yeah? What do you like great, about it? It's like... Is it the, kind of flat? No. No? No. It's like the higher ASA version of Kodak Ektar. Really? The colors are beautiful. It's rated at 400, but I shoot it at 200. Yeah. Highly recommended. Yeah. I shot some uh, Fuji IT-N Hi. film. Where'd you get that? Uh, FPP store. Oh. <laughs> Kodak fine grain black and white. Yellow. Yeller? ASA 6. Nice. Kodak ortho Codolith. Did you shoot that on the beach, the 6? Yeah, I did. What, what were your F-stops? Do you remember? Low. <laughs> you were shooting wide open? Uh, yeah, it was still, you know... On a sunny, sunny of, day. Yeah, a 15th of a second. Whoa, no kidding. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. And for folks out there listening, I was turned on to a brand new... It's not a brand new camera. It's a brand new... What would you call it? It's a new-to-me uh, Canon EOS camera. I've been going EOS crazy the last ugly. few months. Looks I, like something out of RoboCop. Drop it! That are alive. You are coming with me. <laughs> it does, right? <laughs> it? Uh, you know who turned me on to this? Uh, our good friend Mike B., Blia 100 on Flickr. Oh, really? He's a Canon the, EOS guy. He is, and he uh, shoots a lot of polypan. F. Polypan F. Yep. So he's, I saw this. It's called the Canon EOS Rebel TI. And what I like about it is that it's small. It sure is. It is small. But it isn't very attractive, right? No. It has a screen on the back, so people think you're shooting digital. Ah, you can fool them. So if you want to like blend in a little bit more, <laughs> it has. The, right now I have the stubby 40-millimeter uh, yeah. pancake lens. Yeah. I mean, I could put this right in my purse. <laughs> <laughs> or your fanny pack. <laughs> and what I love about some of the Canon EOS Rebel cameras is, I'm going to check, I'm going to show you this. When that you look... When you load it, yeah, I'm putting a roll. Yeah, it's a it's a nice load. I gotta say that. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you already know this. So yeah. I'm gonna demonstrate it here. You put the film in. Close the back. Here we go. And it unspools the whole thing. It unspools the whole roll, and then you count backwards. backwards. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah, I, I really like it. So at the end, you shoot the last roll, and it just goes, or last shot done. rather, and it zips right in. You're done. Done. So I shot exclusively on the Canon EOS Rebel TI. I had two bodies. <coughs> I had one with a 17-millimeter to 40-millimeter lens. Whoa! Yeah. That's sweet. It's sweet. How, what does that open up to? Four? Four. Yeah. And I also had, which I never used, first time in a very long time, a 70 to 300-millimeter lens. Wait, What? 70 to 300 millimeter. Where'd you get that? I got it on the bay. No kidding. And that's awesome to use on the beach. I bet. And it's really the first time that I've used a zoom in a very, very long time. Yeah. And so I, I shot a massive amount of film. Mm-hmm. It's all at the uh, thedarkroom.com <coughs> right now. Our good friend Phil at the darkroom. Cooking Phil, it up. Souping it up. Phil and Keith at the darkroom. And uh, please do go to filmphotographyproject.com. See our story, uh, what I did, in parentheses, shot on my summer vacation. And we, we look for your input as to what you shot as well. Moving right along, I do mm. want to keep things moving along. News. Really important news. Uh, right yeah. at the end of spring, beginning of summer, Lomography uh, announced their uh, Pretzal lens. Petzval. Pretzval. Not pretzel. There's no R. Petzval. There will always be a pretzel lens to me. <laughs> Okay. And this was a, a Kickstarter campaign God, it's where they wanted to raise $100,000, and they raised $1.4 million. $1.4 
million dollars. I contributed, and I am getting myself a Pretzel lens. I can't wait to borrow that. It is a portrait lens. In a in a nutshell, John, what is this lens? Well, it's apparently a remake of a 19th century uh, lens that was invented by Joseph Petzvall Pet- <laughs> in 1840. And it's said to have had a huge impact on the development of photography. Photos shot with this lens were immediately recognizable for their sharpness and crispness, although I don't really see that in the examples they're giving here. But strong color saturation and, of course, the Boken effect and vignettes and very narrow depth of field. It was real. A big so at that time, it was very distinctive, I'm sure. The buzz was a big thumbs up for Lomography. Uh, Lomography gets criticized highly because they're, they're known as people who put out toy cameras. Mm-hmm. I personally think of them as a very serious company, serious about promoting film, yep. which excites me. Serious about the, the promoting the fun of photography. Yes. Definitely. And the people who are curmudgeonly uh, about, you know, against lamography. Ah, too, too many swirls. Uh, not, not enough crispness. Ah, too soft. Should lighten up a bit because uh, Lomography releases a whole line of film. They are the folks who brought back 110 film, including the, yeah. some 110 cameras, and now they're introducing this lens. So I'm very excited that folks have kind of opened their eyes to, to you know be a little more uh, forgiving. It's for Canon EF and, and Nikon F mounts. I flip my lid because yeah. I'm on a Canon EOS yeah. trip right now. So you're lucked out. Oh, there's a caller. There's a message. Hotline. Someone's leaving a message. Yes. Hey, for folks out there listening, we do, have, we do have an FPP hotline. I'll give you the number. No one's going to pick up this phone, and no one will call you back. The purpose of this line is to leave a message, you know, like a 30-second, one-minute message. Express yourself. Say, hey, my name is so-and-so. I'm from. I love shooting film. This is the camera I love to use most. You know, and what you've been shooting. You can tell us what you shot this past summer. Yeah. Uh, and what you love about Mike Rasso. Sure. That is area code 973-850-6330. That is the FPP hotline. I'm glad, glad it rang and sort of reminded, reminded us. us. Yeah. <gasps> oh, Some news. Ilford. <clears throat> Ilford opens a U.S. lab to meet demand for black no and white... No way! That's awesome. ...to uh, meet demand for black and white film development. No way. Following its 15 years of success in England, yeah. Ilford's mail-in black and white film processing and printing will now be more readily available to North America customers. No thank, kidding. Thank to a, thanks to a new lab in San Clemente, California... Why is everybody out in California that does this? As digital photography has taken over, most local labs no longer provide processing of true black and white film, nor can they print on real silver gelatin paper, instead opting to print black and white on colored paper. Now, this is a mail-in service. If you Google Ilford U.S. Lab, you will come up right to the site. The Google. It's in San Clemente, and it's housed and managed in the same building Mm -hmm. as... The dark room. No kidding. That's right. Are they working hand in hand with the dark they room? They are. Wow, that is awesome news. Yes, it is awesome news. Our good friend Keith and, and Phil at the dark room, they are, of course, dedicated to film, and this is big, big news. I'm very excited by it, and uh, I do encourage everyone to check that out. That's awesome. I do want to also mention that uh, our, our good friends at Blue Moon Camera and Machine up in uh, Oregon also are one of the few labs to do actual true black and white film so it's really nice to have those two uh yeah. you know, resources available definitely big news of course as everyone was worried earlier this year last year when kodak filed for bankruptcy well i'm really happy to announce that 
the UK Kodak Pension Plan completed an acquisition of Eastman Kodak Company, their imaging division, which is their film. Mm. And it says here that the UK Kodak Pension Plan, known as KPP, has completed its acquisition of the Kodak Personalized Imaging from Eastman Kodak and created a new company, which will be known as Kodak Alaris. A-L- That's a- terrible. A-L-A-R-I-S. This is you. It's a terrible name. Well, Alaris. What does Kodak mean? Is that a bad name? What about what does what does Portra mean? Well, Portra is sweet. Uh, what, what is it called? Kodak Alaris. Alaris sounds like a a phony baloney corporate name. Just <laughs> stuck on the John. back, like. The new company and its name preserve the heritage and legacy of the Kodak brand while embodying greater speed and agility to meet marketing needs and changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What kind of film they putting out? Well, uh, they're 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 sticking with a current lineup of film, mm-hmm. and there's been chatter online. You know, everyone is hopeful that they will revisit some of their older stocks like Plus X and mm-hmm. some Definitely. delicious stocks that yeah. you know used to exist. Who do I got to talk to to get Kodachrome back? And uh, uh, that ain't gonna happen. That's never gonna. That's happen. a chemistry issue, I believe. Yeah. So, so that's all really, really excellent, excellent news. The film photography store, our own in-house store, had made a huge commitment to stocking Kodak film mm-hmm. starting about six, eight months ago. Yeah. It has been a huge success. That's awesome. It has been a huge success. What's your top seller? Portra 160. You know what? We sell a little bit of everything. Well, we good. really do. That's amazing. Portra 160, Portra 400, uh, Ektar 100, mm. Tri-X. T Max mm-hmm. 100, T Max 400, 35 millimeter, 4x5, and now 8x10. Wow. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yes. 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 That's awesome. Yes, I'm yes. excited. Should be. I'm going to bridge this excitement to our interview thanks to our new correspondent, FPP correspondent Amy Davies. I'm hoping she will do more on the road projects mm-hmm. for us because it's awesome. You know, I just got an email. She's like, hey, how do you feel about me doing an interview for FPP with Amy Arbus? And I was like, go for it. And she was just like total pro. Photographer Amy Arbus is a a well-known photographer. And of course, her mother was Diane Arbus. Mm -hmm. If you have any uh, questions like who, 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 you can always hit the Google. But I will tell you that Amy Arbus, she's published four books, including the award-winning On the Street, 1980 to 1990, The Inconvenience of Being Born. The New Yorker called her most recent book, The Fourth Wall, her masterpiece. Wow. Her advertising clients include uh, Belding, American Express, Saatchi and Saatchi, Spotco, mm. New Line Cinema, Nickelodeon. High-end stuff. Her photographs are, have appeared in over 100 periodicals, including New York Magazine, People, Dazed and Confused, New York Magazine. And she teaches portraiture at the International Center of Photography, the main media workshop, and the Fine Arts Work Center, and she is presented by the Schoolhouse Gallery in the Griffin Museum of Photography in Massachusetts. Well-accomplished woman. Yes, without further ado. The Amys. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm Amy Davies with the Film Photography Podcast, and I'm here in Provincetown, Massachusetts, with photographer Amy Arbus. Thank you for agreeing to uh, to talk to me today, Amy. My pleasure. And maybe we can start by talking a little bit about um, your work 
to familiarize people with with what you're doing. And I think probably a lot of people will remember your early work with the Village Voice. So maybe we could start start with that. Sure. From 1980 to 1990, I worked for the Village Voice doing a style page called On the Street. And I would walk around and photograph anybody who was wearing anything unique, any unique combinations of things or uh, that had their own style. The page appeared monthly and it was thematic so we would you know one day it would be people wearing polka dots and another day it would be hats and and the first couple of years very few people knew about it but by year three people were had seen their friends in the newspaper and wanted to be in it and it was quite celebrated and it ran with the tagline there are eight million people in the naked city and Amy Arbus is going to photograph each and every one of them <laughs> one at a time so that was a nice little promotion to get people interested in being part of it. I started to realize that I was really investigating a culture. It was black and white film, of course, because there was no such thing. The newspaper didn't run color, and there was no such thing as digital in my world anyway. It was just a great way for me to meet the young, enthusiastic people determined to make it creatively in the art world in music, in design, in interior design, in performance art. It's just, I had access all of a sudden to this really exciting crowd of people. So that was my first job, and I had a lot of um, participation in the end result. So we would design the pages together, and uh, it was a great job. It was a really great job, and I was sorry to stop, but I needed to move on. So I started a magazine career, We call it editorial photography, and I worked for such wonderful publications as the New York Times, Mm -hmm. the the magazine particularly, and uh, the New Yorker, New York Magazine. Mm -hmm. I was very involved with them when I was doing the theater portraits for Mm -hmm. Fourth Wall, which was my next book, Mm -hmm. and that was pictures of actors on and off Broadway, in character, in costume, but out of the context of their play. Now, how did that compare to uh, real regular people? They, I'll be creative people, but regular people on the street, and then having the actors having access to the actors. How did that affect how you worked? Well, it was a lot more pre-production. It was there was nothing spontaneous about it. Mm-hmm. it I wanted it to appear spontaneous, but it was not. Uh, I had to go through hoops to set it up Mm -hmm. and the photography was really fun because it was I had a lot more background on on the people that I was working with I'd seen the plays I'd studied the plays Mm -hmm. I was very interested in capturing the character although the character was just by the situation sort of receding as the real person was coming to the fore. So it was really uh, capturing a combination of the two. Mm -hmm. The psychology behind uh, the project was that if you remove a fictional character from the stage, the proscenium, the lighting, the set, they appear every bit as real as you and me. Whether they were playing a fictional character or not, so long as they weren't um, playing cartoon characters or um, or particularly over-the-top characters. But a lot of them, because I did it in black and white and because I did it um, in 
what seems to be my signature style, which is that it, it looks sort of like it could be ancient and not necessarily in America. And it had this feeling of, who is that? And some of them were playing real live people or people that had lived and uh, that was even more complicated because it was another dimension to it. Now talking about having a signature style how do you feel like the style found you or did you do you work toward having a style so how, how does that work when you're working daily as a photographer? Mine definitely found me. What I call the timelessness of my photography, I I think that really found me. It was inherent in my work, and once I started to recognize it, I was so fascinated by it that I was conscious of it, and I didn't need to try to create it, but but it was something that I really was fond of and um, grateful that it was seemed natural to me. And what did you use to shoot uh, that project and and your Village Voice uh, project? The voice was done intentionally impromptu and easy to carry and I worked 35 millimeter with an on-camera flash. Mm -hmm. Couldn't have been simpler uh, Mm technique-wise. For the fourth wall project I used a two and a quarter camera Hasselblad Mm -hmm film, all black and white film. Sometimes I would go by myself, other times I would bring an assistant and a tripod, one light, actually two, one power, portable power pack and two lights. You studied with Avedon. Mm-hmm. Can you maybe talk a little bit about the influence he had on you and what that experience was like? <sighs> it was so wonderful. Um, He was the first teacher I'd worked with that really, that had a very unique approach to teaching. It wasn't literal, it wasn't about f-stops, it wasn't technical at all. His guests were not even photographers, they were Twyla Tharp and Andre Gregory and he, what I noticed was he made each and every one of us feel like we were the center of the universe. And he does that with his subjects as well. I still talk about him as though he's alive. Um, Because to me, he's very much alive. He gave me the license to be an artist by um, giving me the responsibility to contribute to the medium. And that was very freeing. You know, he said, you can't just repeat what's been done in the past. And I thought that was true. And it, it enabled me to take myself seriously enough to think I was able to do that. And that's the gift that I'm committed to passing on, and that's why I love to teach. Could we talk a little bit about um, the influence your mother's work had on you? And, and just your life as a photographer, and, and your father, too. Both of my parents were photographers, and um, there was so much that, just by having photographs around all the time, there was so much that got in through osmosis. I think I was the typical, typical teenager with my mother. I just, I didn't quite get what she was doing. My friends did. And they all thought she was incredible, but it took me a while to come around to it. And it wasn't until maybe the last year of her life that I really fell in love with her work. 
I never considered being a photographer because there was so much being done around me. I thought, why, why repeat, you know? And I didn't think about com competing. I mean, part of it is that she was ve very much a cult figure during her life. Mm -hmm. She didn't want fame. She didn't seek fame. In fact, she rejected fame. Mm -hmm. And then when she passed away in 71, she became so well-known so quickly. And everybody was, uh, I mean, everybody in my circle at least was profoundly influenced by her. My parents together did uh, fashion photography, and most of my mom's technique was, was taught to her by my, my dad. Mm -hmm. I, in terms of literally influencing me, I think I'm very much interested in the same subject matter as my mother. Mm -hmm. I mean, with a few exceptions. I thought one of her talents was to photograph everyday people and and make them look much more interesting than they were. Mm -hmm. And to photograph sort of members of the fringe of society and have an inordinate amount of compassion for them. Mm -hmm. Luckily, because times have changed so much, I don't think I, I have that battle of that's not a that's not an issue for me so much. I mean, in my teaching and in my work, I feel like I approach everybody at sort of as the great leveler. You know, mm -hmm. I just I don't I just take people for who they are. It's not I'm not making judgments about this one has less experience or more talent or. Um, this one is peculiar looking and this one is handsome and I don't think I do that. I don't, I don't, I'm not an ageist and I'm not a classist and I'm not um, prejudiced racially. I think she, she really, my mom really broke ground and I thought she broke ground for women photographers and it was actually much more challenging than I thought at the time. Um, but I, but she obviously broke ground into um, how people are perceived. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to do that with photography is pretty magical. To not need words for that. As we're wrapping up, uh, talk a little bit about where you will be teaching in the future. Um, this podcast has an international uh, listenership, so maybe we could talk about some of what you're doing in the U.S. in the, the near future and what you're doing um, across the world, too. Absolutely. I teach at ICP, International Center of Photography in New York, and that I do from October to June. In March, I'll be in... Hollywood doing a workshop for Julia Dean. That's a week long as well. And um, next summer I'll be at both Anderson Ranch in Colorado and Nord Photography, which is in Norway. It's N-O-R-D Photography. These things should be on my website under About. And they, if they're not now, they will be. For your latest project, you made you made the switch, or you made the switch at some point uh, to digital. So maybe you could talk about what motivated uh, you to switch to digital. And do you have any fondness left for film? <laughs> I do. I'm I'm dying to get back to it. I have to say that there's a lot of reasons 
to not go back. It's expensive. It's time-consuming to wait for it. It's, uh, but it's so beautiful, and the equipment is so lovely. The sound of the equipment, the fact that the equipment looks so different from everybody else's. Um, the quality of a silver print is just so glorious to me. There's no, there's no comparison. But what I was doing most recently was after images, and that was inspired by paintings by the old masters, Picasso, Medigliani, Sheila, um, uh, Cezanne, and so on. And I, I did that project from September to June of, of 11 and 12, mm-hmm. 2011, 2012. And... <laughs> I embraced digital for that project for many reasons. First of all, I was lighting in a, in a much softer way than I'd ever lit before. We were styling the photographs on the set, and there needed to be retouching of sorts. Not major retouching, but, but you know, get rid of that safety pin, or you, you didn't see that something was, you know, awry. It was too expensive at the time because the project wasn't funded and I was um, I had a big crew that I was paying modestly but I was certainly paying them and um, and also I could go home and see it right away so I didn't have to because each shoot was so expensive and time consuming to produce I didn't have to um, wait a week to see what the results were and then have to reshoot. So it was just so cost effective. And also it has a different color space, digital, Mm. than film. And we were using colors that were crazy. (laughs) I mean, wonderful. Mm. Like Picasso Blue period, we were going Mm. nuts with the colors because we weren't trying to reproduce what had already been done. We were trying to, I was trying to both do an homage and bring my own take on it, a, a, a woman's perspective, mm-hmm. if you will. So I found it very useful for that. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite film stock that you used? Yes, I love Tri-X, and I love, I, I'm a Kodak girl. Mm-hmm. The Kodak portrait, gorgeous, gorgeous film. For my next project, I really want to go back to black and white, and whether I do that digitally or not, I'm, I'm not committed yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's certain reasons I would keep to it, um, but I, I ultimately want it to look like film, and I wonder if it's really worth it to do all that in post. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I might just... It's a weird thing, <laughs> doing that. Going so, backwards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I might just um, go back to Hasselblad, which would be lovely. It, it's, a little, it's a little less convenient. But ultimately, that's the look I want. I want the square. <laughs> I want the grain. Love film. Thank you very much oh, for, for agreeing to do this pleasure. today. And, um, for a beautiful afternoon in Provincetown. And thank you for, for talking about your work. That was great. What a very interesting uh, woman. Hey, we're back. Thank you, Amy's. Yes. Very much. Uh, Delightful way to spend the afternoon, right? Is. This is the Film Photography Podcast, the internet radio show for people who love to shoot film. This is an action-packed show. 
We're going to not waste any time and dig right in with some letters and uh, do a giveaway. Uh, we've given some stuff away over the summer, including some Kodak BW400CN. Do you know what that is? No. <laughs> Never heard of it. Kodak BW400. That's black and white, 400 speed CN, which means that it's black and white film that you can get processed in the C41 process. No way. Yeah. I bet you you'd like that. I would love it. Are you kidding me? C41. So wait, if I bring it to CVS, the kid's going to go, can't do this. So be, yes, you can. Every time I bring my film to CVS, which here in the U.S. is a pharmacy chain. Yeah. Big. Big. Pharmacy chain. I bring my film in. One hour and photo. No matter what, yeah, one hour photo. No matter what, they I always the guy, they always look at it. They always look to see if it says C forty one. I look first of all. They don't, they don't look at you in the eye. No, they, like they're looking down. They're looking at the film. They kind of <laughs> grab it out of your hand snarkily and then look at it yeah. like, hey, we'll see if I can develop this. They, Hold on. Um, oh, C four one. Okay. So you want prints? <laughs> they examine the canister for the C four one. Yeah. If they don't like, no matter what I tell them, I know. Like, hey, I hand roll that. Like they don't care. They just. The C41 has to be on the road. So you etch it out and write it on there. Exactly. So, yes, you could bring the Kodak BW400CN into... Does it say C41 on it? Of course it does. Okay, good. Then we're covered. And then that's what you want. You want to get your negs, go home and like scan yeah, it. scan it. All right, give me some. Well, you'd be happy to know we have a lot. Oh, great. How much? 24 exposure. Comes in 24 or 36. 24. I'm the 24 exposures come in a one-pack, a five-pack, or a ten-pack. Ooh. Ooh. That's fun. Yeah. And it's a really, really awesome I'll talk film. to you after the show. Some people who shoot Tri-X swear by they say hey I, I, they were out of Tri-X I, I tried this instead and I love it well that's encouraging it is so uh, Kodak our good friend uh, Tim over at Kodak he sent me an email over the summer and uh, when I told him how we were supporting Kodak Film at filmphotographystore.com yeah. he was thrilled and hipped me to the fact that they had a special deal on Kodak black and white 400 CN so we had a big giveaway and whoa this is from Gino he says hey Thank you so much for the film. As it happens, I already shot a, quite a few rolls of this film, and I processed it one day, I, and I processed it the day I received yours. In other words, he was already shooting it. Yeah. I started shooting film earlier this year after a gap of some 10 years, but I only used point-and-shoot cameras before. I went on eBay buying some... Sp- on an eBay buying spree, starting with an Agfa Optima sensor, quickly followed by a Minolta Dynex 5000i, a 1960 Zeiss Icon Symbolica, Pentax P30T, and the last Pentax, the Program A. Mm. Over the last few months, this has turned into a real hobby, and I started developing my own black and white film. Yay. I'm really drawn to black and white photography, especially landscapes and buildings. Tomorrow night, I am renting the Belfast Exposed Darkroom. I took a couple of black and white workshops with them and they are worth their weight in gold i would recommend anyone take a workshop if they can to print some portraits of my kids to surprise my wife ah that's that's awesome i plan to print them myself and frame them for her for her starting her new job and display on her desk oh great she's the archaeological she's a she's an (laughs) archaeologist 
<laughs> archaeologist? He's an archaeologist. No way. Uh-huh. That's right, yeah. I went... Where's uh, this Where's this gentleman he from? He doesn't say. I want to move to medium format next year, and I even have some longer-term projects cooking. I, I want to start shooting all prehistoric monuments in Northern yeah, Ireland. I say, oh, he's from Ireland. Yeah, yeah, I thought he said Belfast. In yeah. black and white, maybe even at night using uh, long exposures. Oh, dude, go for it. I can't wait to see that. Until then, I'm trying to absorb as much information as I can. The local charity shops are full of brilliant film photography books. As I drive all day, I'm always on the lookout for good audio podcasts, and I recently discovered yours. I might even start listening from the very beginning. Mm. My mind is very hungry. <laughs> For picking up tips about film photography, and I already picked up quite a few from listening to you guys. I am quite split between the Kodak Black and White 400CN and the Ilford XP2 Super. The XP2 Super by Ilford is the same. Mm. C41 Black and White. Oh, no kidding. I mean, it's not the same film, but it's the same They do it for uh, um, uh, 35, yes. 35, yes. I find the Kodak better at 400 ISO. They have 3200 in that? But the Ilford can be easily pulled and pushed per frame as you need. Um, he's enclosed the link. He said it will send some images soon. Cool. Gino. All right, Gino. Yeah, that's awesome. Gino from Ireland. La-di-da-di-da. Buy me a drink. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, if his wife is an archaeologist, archeolo- yes. <laughs> you got me doing it. Archaeologist, I'm sure he could take some really cool pitches with some black and white. He can go on her digs with her. Yeah. Here's an email from Carrie Green. Uh, Mike and crew, just a quick thanks for the roll of 400CN. Looking forward to shooting it and posting a few pics. Uh, I'm a new FPP follower and have enjoyed your videos on YouTube. Who knew Kodak produced so many formats? Exactly. (laughs) Your genuine passion about film photography really comes through, and I am sure, and sure has inspired many of us to rediscover the joy and simplicity of of old-school photography. Well done. I hope when some cold winter's day has your attention focused south, you'll consider a walking workshop in beautiful, not to mention historic, St. Augustine. What was that? Uh, Florida. Is that right? I think so, yeah. Carrie Green. (laughs) Well, thank you, Carrie. Yes. And enjoy your CN4 hunch. Enjoy your 4 hunch. This is from David Bright, and he says, I recently received the C41 black and white film. Thank you. I am 43 years old and have been passionate about photography since the age of 14. Wow. Needless to say, I started off with film photography. I learned on a Nikon and Yashica camera. I've always preferred Nikon, however. In recent years, I picked up a Canon IE5D Mark II. I've always used film cameras alongside my digital endeavors. Currently, I shoot with a Nikon F5 50mm 1.4 as well as a Canon 1NRS. I also have a fascination with cult point-and-shoot cameras. Olympus Epic, which we love. Yes. Konica Big Shot Mini 201. Mm-hmm. You know that one? No. I also indulge in medium format with Mamiya RB67, which is nice. I love people, street, travel, and landscape photography as well as shooting live concerts. He prefers Ektar 100 and Fuji 160 Pro Films. I am drawn to documenting life as it happens and capturing images of everyday life. Capturing the human emotion and the beauty of nature inspires me to pick up a camera. That's awesome. Looking forward to using the film. I'll be sure to send a few images your way. Please do. And enjoy, David. We're going to be reading some more letters, but right now, let's not wait. Let's get to our... Let's not wait. Let's get to our interview with Terry O'Neill. Fascinating man. UK correspondent Vivian Lee was out on the street 
And she secured this interview with Terry O'Neill. He's one of the world's most collective photographers. You name him, he shot him. Whose work hangs in national galleries. And he's shot the front line of fame from the greats of screen to stage to presidents, prime ministers, and rock stars. My name's Terry O'Neill. I'm an ex-jazz drummer who's now become a photographer the last 50 years. In your 50 years career, you have photographed many alias celebrities, supermodels, royalties, politicians, and I think even the Muppets. In your opinion, what makes a good portrait photographer? I think someone who's got the ability to fade in the background and be unnoticed, that's what I've found. Is that a good photojournalist or a good yes, photographer? Yes, what is portrait? photojournalist? I mean, I do, I approach portraiture like photojournalism, so that's... You know, I prefer to get people in their own working environment as opposed to a studio portrait. Starting out in the 60s, you didn't have any knowledge of photography or photojournalism. You wouldn't have been the only one to do so, and you had to learn yourself through the trade. What qualities do you think you have that separated your subsequent career from your peers? God, I have no idea. I think just perseverance, really. You know, it was all brand new to me, so every day I couldn't wait to go to work and try out new things. And I, I suppose that's what made me successful. And I fell in love with getting double-page spreads in newspapers, so I all went, always went for the big picture. You know, I, always, I didn't want to do a picture for a newspaper that was just a small photograph, so I always thought up different pictures for different stories. And it paid off for me in the end, because I ended up the highest-paid photographer in Fleet Street. When I left Fleet Street, I was getting £75 a week, which was £20 more than the next guy. So I was, you know, really doing well. So do you just put it all down to hard work? Yeah, yeah, well, hard work, because I was concentrating on it. I mean, you know, when I was a jazz drummer, I mean, I used to practice six hours a day, so hard work was not anything to me. I used to go into a newspaper, and there were all these old-time photographers there, and they'd do one job a day. Well, I was doing five or six jobs. I mean, I just ate up the jobs that I could do. Because every time, you know, it was a different thing, and it was all brand new. And the 60s was brand new, and all the people who made the 60s were brand new. I ended up doing the first shots of the Beatles and then I did the Stones and then I just photographed David Bailey, photographed Gene Shrimpton, everything sort of made pictures. So I was very happy. Does getting the right subject who were up and coming in yes. a way help you to be... Oh yeah, absolutely. My, You know, I just spotted. I mean, I've got a good eye for spotting talent, so that's what I did. There you go, maybe that's... Uh... Yeah, maybe that was the thing. When you have a subject who doesn't like to be photographed or maybe feel self-conscious, what could you do to help ease them into the process? Well, I don't rush them. You know, I just make them relax. You know, I don't care how long it takes me, but I know when I've got the picture. That's the thing. You should stop when you've got the picture, not go on and on and on, you know. Lots of photographers just go on and the people are bored. I know that most people don't like being photographed. That, that's one thing I know, because I hate being photographed myself or doing interviews. I mean, it's not my thing, you know, so I try and get it over as quickly as possible. I mean, Elton John, right, you'd think, loved being photographed. He hates it. But he, you know, I used to go to his house 
for his manager and say, look, we're going to do these pictures and this will take five minutes and that'll take... And I just used to whip through the pictures because I knew he hated it. I mean, he didn't feel attractive or comfortable in front of a camera, but, you know, you just get on with the job. But could you get what you needed in the yeah, first yeah, five always, minutes? Yeah, always, always. Even if he doesn't want to be... Yeah. Present. And do, do you think they look self-conscious in the shot in any way? Well, in some shots, in some frames they do, but they, then the public doesn't see those. They just see the published pictures or the album cover they don't see the whole take so you talk about the extra shots on the contact sheet that, yes. which might tell a different yeah. story <laughs> exactly yeah you have to take pictures to relax people too that's all I need them to do is relax and then I'm happy is it a privilege to get that luxury of time with the oh yeah person? definitely but I mean I'm a very quick worker that was part of my success when I first went to Fleet Street because I was using 35 mil and nobody was using 35 mil then. And I used to get 36 shots on a roll of film, whereas the others that did plate cameras or Roliflex and did just 12 and things. It was just my way of working. Then I went to Hollywood and all the stills guys used these big cameras and people loved me because I was in and out in no time. So it's all lucky. I've been so lucky, don't worry. I've had luck on my side. God sort of looked down and pointed a finger and it landed on me for the 60s and my life has been incredible. Do you feel like you've won the lottery then? Well, I, I have won the lottery, yes. But, you know, now I there's nobody I want to photograph anymore, so it's a bit boring for me, so I sell prints. We go around the world. I mean, next we're going to Munich, uh, Madrid, I've got a big show, and Monte Carlo, the next three shows in September. This year we've done Istanbul, LA, New York. I'm actually traveling nearly as much as when I was photographing. So, you know, it's quite a hard job. Do you have someone that makes your print or? Yes, company? I mean, I use a lab called Metro in England, do very good, and they do all the prints. And so there must be. I a... used to print my hand, but I mean, mm. I don't get the time now. It does take a long time to do a yeah, very does. good print. Yeah, it drives you mad as well. <laughs> and you don't see the sunlight very often. No, you don't. So there must be a good demand for your print in that case. Yeah, I know we're selling out by a lot of the best sellers. Bridget Bardot, Sinatra and all these people. I'm having to do platinums now of a lot of my prints because we've sold out in the regular size. People say that the dynamic between a photographer and a subject or sitter is really important in getting that little bit extra special something in the portrait. Have you ever had to photograph someone that you really dislike and how would you handle that? Well, it's people that I've done who are not really good, like John Major was terrible, who's an English Prime Minister, he was terrible at photograph. What do you mean? He was pulling teeth. Well, he hated it and couldn't pose. So I used to just put him in situations, you know, like I was away with him once and I just got him walking down the street amongst ordinary people. Well, Robin, who's my business partner, spotted that because he was editing the Sunday Times and used it as a cover and it was really a great shot. So you have to think up these sort of situations for people that are difficult. Frank Sinatra, I mean, you could take any shot of him, he's great. Audrey Hepburn's the same. I mean, there's certain people who are naturally great at being photographed. You do come across people who are awkward. And then you have to become sort of like a film director and sort of direct the whole thing. I mean, I don't like doing that. I'm never really happy with the picture. 
stuff because you don't feel like it's naturally that person. Well, it's not a natural shot, you know, that's the problem. Although this one of John Major was memorable because he was walking down the street and everyone was walking that way and he was walking through the crowds and it was a fab shot. So you had to have the ability to think on your feet. Yes, you have to think. I mean, if I don't know anything about anybody, I'll read up about them. So I, I, at least I'd have a conversation with them about things that they like or don't like or... You know, I mean, you have to have something. You can't walk into a room and expect an instant rapport. The Queen, I, I dreaded. And I was so nervous when I was first asked to photograph the Queen. And I had three months before I did it, and I thought all the things that could go wrong. And then, anyway, I walk in there to Sandringham at three o'clock, and she immediately put me at ease. And it was like I was done in 40 minutes. It was incredible. And then I realised afterwards, of course, she spends her life posing either for statues, paintings, photographs, and she's on public. You know, she's just a wonderful woman. For you, what makes a good subject to photograph? Or someone like the Queen, or someone who's... Uh, to be honest, I mean, I love working with Frank Sinatra because he used to totally ignore me, and that was the greatest gift that he could give me, you know, because he just acted like I wasn't there. We talked, I mean, not to the detriment of his life. And uh, I realised that he gave me a huge gift. Is it rare to have someone who can actually ignore the camera? Oh, yeah, to, to the extent he does, yeah. And I could go anywhere with him. I mean, you just, he just pretended I wasn't there. It was a fantastic thing. But what is it about the subject that makes a good photograph? For example, you say now that there's no one that you want to photograph anymore. No. So there must be something that's missing now. Well, yeah, they haven't got the talent, I don't think. I don't think there's very many talented actors or singers. Oh, there's definitely no singers who like the singers I photograph, like Sinatra or even Elton John in his heyday. They were great entertainers. Dee Martin, Sammy Davis, I mean, they were, they were fabulous singers. And there's nobody around like that today. So, you know, it's all... The, the PRs and the management of, you know, they all want to control the pictures and all that, and I'm not for that. So are you really interested only in photographing people that are well-known or have a skill? No, they must have talent. I mean, I photographed Amy Winehouse. She was a rare exception. I photographed Nelson Mandela three years ago for his 90th birthday. I've just been to photograph Pele, the footballer in, in South America. I mean, there are people there, but I mean, there's not many. Could you ever imagine yourself photographing someone who works in a supermarket? Well, yeah, if, if I was doing a job, you know, it had a, a story to it. So is it a profession for you, really? Yeah, I'm a professional. I'm a hard gun. I mean, I'm not, I hate cameras. I never take pictures when, unless I have to. I never take holiday snaps or photographs for fun, you know, because it's not a fun thing to me. It's work, and, I, you know, I just not, you know, I'm like a hard gun. I, I have to be paid a lot of money. <laughs> and it's not the money though I do it for it, I mean I just have to charge that because of it, that sorts out the wheat from the chaff if I want to do a job I do it for nothing if I wanted to do it so it has to be, so, it has to be personally something, something yeah. motivating yeah. you yeah. to yes. pick up the camera that yes. you'd rather not yes I'd rather not in the last 50 years, you have observed a lot of famous people through the lens. Not only celebrities, also politicians and royalties. What does fame look like on the other side of that lens? Well, I mean, I, I'll tell you this. I would hate to be famous. I'd run away from it like mad because I'd, you know, go into a restaurant and you get the best table in the 
that, but along with that, you get bothered all the time. And they can't act naturally. They can't do things that normal people do, although they're, they're dying to. They can't. I've always learned that any, say, any famous movie star, they always had a job before, and that's the way I looked at them. Like Harrison Ford was a carpenter. Bob Redford was a waiter or something, you know what I mean? They were, that's how I looked at them. I never saw them as the famous person. Does that help, help in a way to deal well, with... Well, it helps me work because I, I see them for what they are. You know, I don't, I don't believe in all the mystery of being a movie star. I, I think, oh, well, I know it's very hard work. And, then, and they're lucky, you know, one in ten stands a chance of becoming a huge star. You know, there's a hundred actors go for a part, only one can get it. And that's the one who's picked out. That leads to something else. And the women actresses, I would never have anything to do with at all. No. <laughs> now, I only, I only made the mistake once. My marriage to Faye Dunway, that was a mistake. My mistake. Anyway. So... It doesn't look so enticing. No, no, no. I'd never be. I'd never want it. Never. There's a strange thing. Then you're photographing these people and making them. There's a gloss in these pictures, perhaps. Yes, which I put. I. That's the way. So you're I not representing, it. or are no, you? I what am, do you see? I, I'm photographing people as they would like to be seen. But not how you saw them. No, how I see them is how I see them. Does how how you see them always yes. match how they would like to be seen? No, it's it's how they would like to be seen. It's my version of it. So they feel like big stars. Because you're a hired gun, yes, so you yeah. have to deliver yes, exactly. what you're told to yes. take. Hollywood studios use a lot of photos of movie stars and film stills to promote the movie, but yeah. also sell an aspiration. Do you think your work then has in part contributed to the celebrity culture that we have today? Well, probably, yes. But I mean, n not my particular work, not... What you're blaming me now for the for the? I'm asking you because I know you have an opinion about yeah. that. No, I mean I. Yes, no, it has. But I mean, people are very silly to think they can just do that without doing the hard work, because every movie star really works harder. Hey, just getting there, let alone surviving there. I mean, it's the most miserable life, believe me. They all have to live tucked away. They can't go out. They have to have bodyguards. Guys. <coughs> Nightmare. And sportsmen are coming like that now. And I, and I love the sportsmen, but there's very few who live on like Pele, you know, or David Beckham. You know, once they finish playing football or running or cycle riding or something, they don't, you know, that I couldn't face that big gap with being, doing something at the top and then not being able to do it. Do you know what I mean? I couldn't deal with it. Do we feel like you're not useful anymore, not working Well, that's anymore. how I would feel, yes. In your observation, how has the profession of photography changed over the decades? Well, I think now the paparazzi have reduced photography to a joke. And I don't know why they're not put into prison for the way they behave. I mean, they really deserve, they hound people to a ridiculous degree. And I don't know how countries put up with them, the way that all the governments don't find them or sue them or put them in prison. I mean, they are the animals. And now, of course, the respect between a, a good photographer and a famous star just doesn't exist because they just as soon punch you in the face as have you photograph them. I mean, it's all changed. And it's changed all the way, you know, people like me working with them. 
they just want to come to a hotel room or a studio for an hour and you do this, that and the other and all the pictures are controlled, it's not the same. When I worked with Paul Newman, he never worried. I mean, he just opened the doors and I could do what I liked. I mean, that's the way you should go and do it. What were the tools of your trade and have you kept them? Tools, the cameras. Yeah, the things that you Now, hate. I mean, I've got one Leica left and I've got a Hasselblad. But I mean, I've kept them because I like them. But all my cameras got stolen about five years ago, so I'm bothered. I mean, I just hire them now. But I'm not fond of cameras, see. Some, some photographers are camera mad. They own every camera that comes out, but I'm just not interested in In fact, they get in my way because my picture's here. In your I, head. Yeah, and I have to transport that through a camera. So, you know, that's just the way I see life. Can you draw? No, I was a good artist at school. That's what helped me with the composition. If I didn't have that, I'd be in trouble. If you didn't have a camera, maybe you can use a pencil. Yeah. <laughs> If you were 16 today, what profession would you choose? Oh, I don't know. I think I'd go back to jazz drumming. I was happy as a drummer. I mean, I was happy doing photography for years, but I was really happy playing jazz. I mean, that was a great way of living to them. When did photography begin to interest? It went interest? I was 20, and I took this job at the airport, and I started to learn photography. Then I started getting jobs, and so, you know, I, I played less and did more photography. And then, you know, my mother was happy that I had a job and all that, so, you know, I went on doing that. Do you think you preferred actually jazz drumming to... Yeah, out the two, I would. You did it, but because you felt you had to have a something that pays, maybe. Yes. Well, my mother was happy. <laughs> was that important? Yes. I mean, we didn't think the 60s were going to last anyway. We all thought we'd have to get a proper job one day. I used to go out with the Beavis and Stones, and we used to go to this club called the Adler Club. We used to sit there talking about what job will we get when we're 40. And, you know, I mean, Ringo wanted to own a chain of hairdressers. I wanted to work. Well, I didn't want to work, but my mother wanted me to work at a bank. I mean, we all did jobs our parents wanted us to do. That's what we thought would happen. It's only when I went to America and I met people like Fred Astaire that I realized that all this Beatles thing and Shrimpton and Mary Quant and all these people who made the 60s were worldwide people. And I thought, God, if he thinks it's for real, it must be for real. So that's my first, this I was about 25 then, and I went back to England. Of course, the Beatles were breaking up and it was the sort of end of it all, but at least... You know, the music's lived on all this time. It has lasted. Yes. Much longer than you thought. Yes, absolutely. Can you imagine yourself working in a bank? No. <laughs> no. I still would have played drums at night. I've been a semi, what they call a semi-professional. If you had a nine-to-five job, you probably had more time to play drums. Yeah, I would. Would you have sacrificed that for something no. that you like? So photography was better in the end? In the end, yes. What's the best training a budding photographer can have nowadays, do you think? I don't know, just keep taking pictures. That's the secret, just keep taking pictures. Keep your enthusiasm going. There are many people that are taking many pictures. Yeah, well, there's all these ones that they use on the phone. I would like to say I don't think I could advise a photographer what to do today because there's no real magazines to get pictures published. Plus, they don't pay you enough. I mean, it's terrible. What can you do? So do you think the profession of photography might be dying out? 
ironically, with more people now than ever. Yeah, I know, it's, it's funny. I mean, there's thousands of people taking pictures. I don't know. I, I can't answer that, to be honest. You have something named after you. It's called the Terry O'Neill Photography yes. Awards. How did that come about? Well, someone, it, the Sunday Times came to me and said, would I like to start this award thing? And I did, and it's doing fantastic. And it's to encourage young photographers. But, you know, they've all done well, the winners and everything, but it's too early to say how it will affect them after just winning a prize. They have to get the jobs. But I, do, I am seeing some good young photographers. That's been going for about eight years now, yeah. I think. So have you seen anything more from, say, people that well, won people earlier? Enter, some people enter stuff every year. Bloke who's won twice, I think. It's too early to see. After 20 years, I'll look and see. Is that a way of bringing on new people? Yes. Yeah, well, it gives them something to... There should be competition in work, and that's another form of competition. What makes a winning entry, then? One that you you stop and look at. It's quite easy. There's not many eye-catching pictures, so the only difficult part is the final judging because women see pictures differently to men, and it, it goes on a bit. You have to give and take a little. What differences do you think they see? Women see the softer side of things, you know, the more ethereal type of things, and men like socket to you shots you know it's, it is funny I've noticed and I always dread it when there's a lot of judges who are women because I know it's not going to be anyway so you don't have the final say no I don't have the final say you think I would wouldn't you though I always try and get that but I can't oh, I, I have put my foot down a couple of times and what does it have to do with your name in the title of that award well it's just a, a, I don't know it wasn't my idea <laughs> Using my name, I suppose. You have an extensive archive of work. Yeah. How many negatives have you got in there? Oh, I don't know, a couple of million, maybe more. What would you like to see happen to it? Well, I mean, we're digitising everything, so, you know, we get hold of everything, that's the first thing. And then we just do different shows. I mean, I put together a show that I'm hoping to get to the National Portrait Gallery on the English people I've done. I mean, I've done all the top English people over the last 50 years. And I had this idea on Saturday morning that I should do an English show. So I'm going to approach them. And then we'll do it in a gallery. So I'm always getting ideas for shows from the library. Different ways of combining yeah. them and yeah. looking at them together. Yeah. How long does it take to digitise two million negatives? I don't know. The girls, she does a few boxes every day. So you do them here in your office? That's a very long job. It is a long job. We're only doing the main people, though. We're not, you know, I don't know what will happen at the end when we come down to the bits and pieces, but that's Robin's bag, not mine. Your business partner? Yeah. Most of your photographs that I've seen are Hollywood celebrities. Yeah. What proportion of that is that in your archive? Because you've done other uh, things too. Because I went to America, you see. If I had gone to America, I wouldn't have done any of those things. Then I met the uh, heads of studios and or heads of publicity in the Hollywood studio. So if they had any picture in Europe, which they started making a lot of American pictures in Europe in the 70s, I, I wouldn't have, you know, it's all just meeting people and, you know, it's all luck. <laughs> it is luck. It's luck, you know, meet the right people, I guess. Are you an optimist? Yes. <laughs> Your glass is half full. Yes, exactly. That's why you're so lucky. Yes. 
Apparently you're writing a biography. No, I'm not. You're not. No, I'm not. That's what Robin said. Yeah, no, I'm not writing it. I've had many offers. I don't want to do it. Because it's all my secrets. It's not, you know... I don't see why I should say someone's like this, that, the other. Because it's not anyone's business. Well, you can talk about yourself. Not yeah, like yeah, but people. I'm not interesting. I, the only pe- interesting thing about me is the people I photograph. And that's what people want to know about. And I, I'm not really interested in telling them. Well, let's say we're not interested in those celebrities. Tell me something about yourself. Well, there's not a lot to tell. I'm a very simple taste. I love reading. I love photography. I love jazz. I love television. Good books. That's about all. And food. I mean, that's about the only things I'm really interested in, I think. What would you do on a Sunday? Watch sport all day. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. I watch all the football, all the matches. I mean, that's how I spend my time. Terry O'Neill, thank you for speaking to Film Photography Project. All right. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you very much, Vivian, for mm-hmm. conducting that awesome interview with Mr. O'Neill. Before we get to our um, good camera, crappy camera, apocalypse, which is a, <laughs> a lot of cameras we're going to cover, yeah. here are quick some letters. And then, uh, my name is Todd Evans, and I recently won the Canon T70. That's Lucky right. guy. Yep. Thank you so much. Both myself and Dane Johnson shoot with the Canon T70. Mm. Thank you so much for sending that to me. And I, think, and thank I was going to say he's in bad company. And th- <laughs> Thank you for the role of Kodak Ektar 100. I had a great time using it on a recent shoot. He, he uh, sent us a box of goodies. Yeah? He says, I'm sending you a box of Polaroid goodies for your recondition. Ooh. All are from my personal collection and were purchased in the early 1990s. I've, I'm still shooting both digital and film, but for some reason, Polaroid just isn't doing it for me lately, so I'm giving these mm. camera to you guys. Oh, well, that's nice. What camera was it? It's a Polaroid 230, a Polaroid 250, a big Sphinga 3000. Is the 250 the glass lens? Yeah. Wow, really? Yeah. A square shooter, too? Why, you want me to get that up and running? You want to borrow that for a while? Yeah, I, I, I haven't shot with that crack and peel camera. Really? I'm Never. I'm thinking we should get a plastic model. That's why when your kids throw it to the ground, it isn't <laughs> such a loss. <laughs> no, they don't touch my cameras. They know. They're high up on the shelf. Oh, okay. Todd Evans, thank you very much. Here is a letter from Dave Wood. Dave says, uh, a client forwarded this <clears throat> website to me. That's our website in our podcast, he says some, there was some information we gave out regarding black and white slide transparencies. In other words, black and white mm-hmm. slides. Right. He says that uh, our site, dr5.com, we are the only service of its kind worldwide. Providing processing is a labor of love for us. This service has been available since 1997, and dr5 runs almost all black and white films to Chrome, uh, which has a much better quality than their negative counterpart. Hmm. Um, they, they also run the remaining, which is known as uh, Agfa Scala film, S-C-A-L-A, which mm-hmm. is a black and white transparency film. Really? So, folks out there listening, if you are shooting black and white transparency film, you may want to go to dr5.com and check that out. Thanks, David. Thank you very much. Uh, handwritten letters. This, yeah, this is actually handwritten to William in the FPP store, filmphotographystore.com. He sent her the wrong film, so we, Dope. we quickly, <laughs> we quickly you know, switched it up and got her her correct film. Thank you so much for sending the 600 film. Uh, she ordered PX hmm. 600 Silver Shade, and we sent her PX 100. <laughs> I'm slowly working my way through the color pack I bought and, re- and really enjoying it, the whole experience. My kids think the instant film stuff is super cool. Yeah, they love it. They I think your kids, chilling. when they see Crack and Peel, are going to really Oh, like it. yeah. They'll want to touch it, though. 
he, they gotta like back, tell yeah. him back off. Get back! Gotta give him a to Coach Duffy. Yeah, back off. <laughs> Who's Coach Duffy? My high school coach. <laughs> Is that what he would say? Espresso, back off. Like, really? Too close to his face, he would just like <laughs> yell at you. Like, back off. <laughs> I'm looking forward. I'm getting back to uh, Ron's letter here. I'm looking right. forward. To shooting black and white instant. This is going to be super mm. fun. Uh, thanks again, Ron. Uh, FilmPhotographyStore.com, our very own site, uh, sells the full line of impossible project film for for your <laughs> for your Polaroid cameras. Making good on the occasional mess up mistake. Absolutely, dear, dear, dear film photography project. I am taking a six month road trip, but do not have the room for my 120 cameras or a place to cold store my film. Oh. So please accept this what? donation of film. Wow. It's a huge box. I haven't even gone through it 120 stuff, too? Everything. Oh. It has always been cold stored, so it should be good to shoot with. I love the podcast. I'm taking my Polaroid 360-pack camera and my Polaroid 690 with a cooler full of instant film. Wow. Keep up the great work. Where's he going? Keith Holgram. Keith, where are you off to, man? Didn't say. Oh, well, happy trails. Yeah, happy trails. Thank you very much. Uh, This is from uh, Cheyenne. She was one of the... uh, Folks at the FPP Midwest Workshop, Walking yeah. Workshop, said, This is Cheyenne, and I'm emailing you to thank you for the 35mm Minolta that you sent this way with Leslie. I got it today, and I shot my first roll. Yay. Leslie also showed me how to develop the roll after I shot it. I just want to thank you oodles for the camera and helping me to get even more obsessed with film. After all, buying a plastic filmtastic debonair is what made me catch the film bug yep. to begin with and then the FPP weekend made oh. the addiction worse so really all in all just thank you for what you do with film in general keep up the great work Yay. it's all the crazy stuff that people like you and Leslie do that help keep me wa- widening my artistic horizons and aspiring to continue on even further wow bold statement mm-hmm. alright Cheyenne uh, this is our giveaway and this is a letter from uh, Jean why don't you read this one my name is Jean-Michel I'm a photographer from Quebec City Canada yes uh, I'm a full time photographer and I have you guys to thank for motivating me to inject more uh, and more film in my, uh, you say, shooting okay, habits. All right, all right. <laughs> From personal projects to paid jobs. My website is jmlaroiephoto.com. It's French, but images don't need translation. Absolutely right, Jean-Michel. Uh, you'll also notice that a lot of what is shown there was shot on film. I use a Pentax 6x7, a roller cord, as well as 25 various Nikon SLRs. What is this? Two FL005? Flutes? What is that? It's handwritten, so you'll have to excuse F100S. me. F100S. Oh, F100S and FM2N. Uh, by now, you will notice that I have... Sh- Sent you this nice little coronet QU QL 173. Latest and greatest. Is it a Canon? Okay. For you to give away to one of your listeners. Well, thank you, Jean Michel. The camera's still in great shape, but could use a bit of a tune up. So I thought you guys could find good use for it. This was my walk around camera, but now I got a gorgeous new Fuji Class 35mm P and S. What does that say? Coronet? Uh, <coughs> he's talking about the Canon. Canonette. Oh, Canonette. I'm sorry. QL17, which is in my hands, by the way. All right. I, I just couldn't read that word. Okay. Canonette. I'm also sending this to you as a sort of thank you for the slide film you sent me when you had a giveaway, even though those two rolls were... <laughs> far, from, far from successful. Even though those two rolls were far from successful photograph- photographically speaking... Aww. 
They got me hooked on the stuff, so I'll be shooting uh, my upcoming trip to Istanbul, Turkey. 100% on slide film. Yes. Yeah. Using my David and Goliath travel term, the huge 6x9 Fuji GW690 rangefinder and a tiny Fuji class. Go Fuji, yeah. Those are pretty cool cameras. Yeah, they really are. Um, Yeah, they really are. Anyway, thanks so much for the inspiration. I hope you'll find a nice new home for my little coronet. Mm -hmm. Cannonet, sorry. Mm -hmm. Cheers, Jean-Michel. Well, happy trails, Jean-Michel. Thanks so much. Happy trails, and in my hand I have the Canon cult, the cult camera, the Canon Canonet QL17 rangefinder camera. It's a 35 millimeter camera. Is it loaded? The uh, focus is on the side. The, see the lever on the side? No, on the side of the lens. See the, the lever, the oh, big this. lever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this. that's focus. It's a rangefinder. So you look in the middle and you bring the two images together. I understand. Mm-hmm. You go to filmphotographyproject.com. Bing! forward slash giveaways and you will see that between now September 15th 2013 and September 30th 2013 you can win a chance to win this fine camera it's really a fine camera it's uh, very I've never heard of this camera oh we've only spoken about it like five times really <laughs> where was sh- I it was on this show what show exactly you've never heard of this camera nope. how is that possible I don't, I do you have know. any desire to shoot a rangefinder type absolutely camera? You I, do? I have one rangefinder camera and I love it which one it's a um, Russian camera. Oh, okay. Filmphotographyproject.com forward slash giveaways. <laughs> you will see. You could win the Canon uh, Canonet QL17. And yes. this month also, thanks to our friends at Eastman Kodak, we are uh, giving away a separate, a separate giveaway. You have yeah. to sign up separately for it. Yes. We're giving away some Kodak Portra film. Mm. So please do visit our giveaways. Yummy. It's always very exciting. I've saved our our letter, our la- letter for last. Perhaps, John, remember the screen printings over there? Yes, absolutely. And that big bin that just came in? Yeah. Seat, that big tube? Yeah. Right here. Where? Oh, oh, my. Is there anything else in there? Or is it empty? Hello! <laughs> oh, my kids would play with this for hours. Oh, you can have it. This is a uh, letter. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> John is uh, singing through Sorry. a tube. Sorry. says, Mike and all the gang. I, I don't know if I can read the whole letter because it's nine pages. Oh, my God. But you know what? It, I, I, I started reading this. This is very interesting. Thank you very much for the uh, fine screen prints that you sent us. This is, it says, he says, hi, my name is Weldon Pops. Pronounce Pops, P-O-P-S. Pops. Better put a pop of coffee on. This could be a long one. I found your podcast around number 60, and, of course, I've gone through back and started through the old stuff. Love them all, and I found you guys when I was investigating Polaroid land cameras. Mm. You were the tipping point, and I found and purchased a 360. Wow. But let's go back in time first. (laughs) I am an old bastard. (laughs) I did over 25... Wait, is this the letter, or you're just... No, oh. this is the <laughs> Oh, okay. I thought this was you speaking. All right, go ahead. I did over 25 years in the animation industry. No kidding. Working on the original heavy metal movie. No kidding. Cool. The Raccoons, Ren and Stimpy, oh, wow. Salvage Dragon, Katie and Orby, and many more. Wow. I did a couple of years in the web and print world. These days, I'm teaching film and animation up here at a Canadian college, Algonquin College in Ottawa, the capital of Canada. So, in high school, I took a photography class. I think we could kind of flash forward a couple yeah, years. I'm going to flash forward a little bit. Uh, pardon us, pops. We're not going to. We can't read. <laughs> we can't read the whole letter. Uh, skipping ahead a little bit, 
Uh, I listen to you in the car. It's almost like a drinking game. Every time someone says show, I shout out loud. What show? Or everyone's favorite two weeks, two weeks. Two weeks, two weeks. So like I mentioned, I'm shooting bigger and better stuff. The faves and classics for me are Zeiss Icon Netter. That's the uh, Pancho cam. Pancho? The Fed S. Oh, that's that's what I have. Reskin bright blue, he says. The Electro, oh, nice. the Electro 35, everyday shooter. A Yashica D. Don't you have that? Yeah. No, I have a Yashica Flex. You uh, have a Yashica D. Po- <laughs> I have a Yashica A. Oh, do you? Polaroid 360 with all the extras. Polaroid SX70, mm-hmm. a Konica TC, a Lomo CLA. That's the wide? CLA? Yeah. No, no, CLA, and there's a CLA wide. Uh, my sweetest deal was my Polaroid SX-70. People tell stories and you think it could never happen to you, but I was at a country state auction when this SX-70 came up for a bid. The auctioneer knew it was an old camera, but they didn't know how to open it. He was afraid to give it the firm tug required mm-hmm. to pop it open. So he explained to the crowd that, yes, it's a collectible camera, but they will be selling it as is. He then proceeded to start asking the price of $50. What? Who'll start the bidding at fifty dollars? No one said peep. Twenty-five then. Who'll start at twenty-five on this collectible camera? Nothing. He went all the way down to five dollars. Oh wow! And go. It was crickets. I had waited it out to <laughs> even lower than five. Waiting bucks? to jump out of my skin. Right, Played it cool. Raised my card and bid five bucks. Like nice. what the hell? He did his best to urge the crowd to join and bid. Not let this vintage piece get away for only five bucks. No one was interested. <laughs> Once at five dollars, twice at five dollars, fair and final notice, sold. It's freaking mint. Kept beautifully. I opened it in front of the crowd, and he handed it over to me, and the audience audibly oohed and a great feeling. I know I said I wasn't buying anymore, but just last week, I found a super clean Olympus XA in the box with flash, like almost new. So I love photography history. If you haven't purchased, seen, read, check out Photography, The Whole Story by Juliet Hacking. Closing words. Closing words is only on page five. Wow. It's a nine-page letter. Closing words. Keep up because the shoe has taken a life of its own. You can't stop now. We're not stopping. (laughs) (laughs) I probably don't need to beg a camera from you because you guys, but I would love a Pink Delicates CD if you still have any. We can arrange that. Yeah, we can hook them up. Sure. you have what? A few hunch? Down your- yeah, I got like 150. Would you like 150 of them? <laughs> Sell them. Yeah, you can bring them to the auction. Auction uh, them all. That and any film, chrome or black and white, as I'm now doing my own home developing. Oh, if you want to see something of mine, a very amateur, I'm a hobbyist when it comes to photography, I had a Flickr page, but it never really used it. So you can find my stuff at my Lomography site, Toonboy7. Hmm. Thanks, William Weldon Pops from That's Canada. Classic name. Especially it, for a Canadian. It is. That sounds like some guy living in Missouri, <clears throat> digging for gold. Post Weldon Pops here. <laughs> Get off my property. Postscript. I, jo- I just thought, hey, if I could put the touch on you for product in trade for a collectible prints, you're an impossible pro- project partner, right? I'm in Canada, and the price is more than double for SX-70 film. Wow. He says really? That, yeah, he says that... Uh, More than double? 54 bucks and change. For one pack. And he says, ah, he says, look, look. Ah. Yeah, R is right. I also really thought it best to say that to John F., 
that the NRBQ comment doesn't mean I think that the pink delicates sound alike. Maybe we read a letter from him before? You may have missed a part in there. Oh. He just puts... What, do you know what is NRBQ? It's a band. Oh, really? He just Rhythm puts me in mind. Band. You know, general mix, tone of the guitar, the way the vocals sit in the mix. Oh, yeah. Aside from being an artist, uh, ex-Hollywood film producer, video game animator, college teacher, I also happen to be a registered S-O-C-A-N composer. S-O-C-A-N is Canadian's version of ASCAP. Uh-huh. I don't do do it anymore, but I do play a fistful of different instruments, but don't sing. Well, I think he should come down to smooth. Hell yeah. So, uh, Mr. Pops. <clears throat> Next time you're in town in New Jersey. You're in New Jersey. You look could, us up, man. You could come to Smooth Sailors rehearsal every Tuesday night. Uh, just give us some notice. And, uh, hey, I have convinced my wife and son that for vacation this year, <laughs> we will drive down to Rochester, New York to tour the Eastman Museum. Yeah, I'll fun. send them off after a couple of hours. I plan on staying and geeking out all day. Mm. So thanks to Matt Barash, John Fideli, Mark Dalzell, Dane Johnson, Leslie Lazenby, Hunter, also my son's name, and the rest. Well, that's great. Oh, wait, so there's more. give me a box camera and an open road, and I'm a happy man. And closed <laughs> for your enjoyment is five lucky tickets, hand-cut litho prints. They're over there. Oh. A Johnny Cash proof, a Mark Bolin proof, a Roger Miller proof, and a couple of show cards. Post, post, post script. We have Tim Tams up here. <laughs> Ooh. My local corner store stocks both milk and dark chocolate Tim Tams. Wow. I would... Lucky. I would have sent some, but my summer, guess, wouldn't be a good idea. <laughs> and here is a little drawing you did. A little animation drawing. A little animation drawing. Uh, signed, uh, Weldon Pops. All right, Weldon. Well done, well done, well done. Yes, thank you very much. And uh, I'm going to keep this letter handy. I'm going to send you a little FPP package in exchange for those lovely prints. Yeah, send some Tim Tams, by the way. That's, now that it's fall, it's Tim Tam time. Heck yeah. And now, friends, it's time for the most exciting segment is how to home roll your own 35 mm. Now, where did film. you get this contraption? I bought this contraption from the Phil Photography Store. Oh, you bought it from yourself. That's right. We stock this. And that's brandy new. That's not like some refurbished, old-timey thing. They're still manufacturing still these Still manufactured. Today. It's made by Arista. Arista. It's made by a company called Arista. It's called the AP uh, uh, Boba Quick. Boba Quick. Yeah, it's called the Boba Quick <laughs> AP 35mm film loader. Wow. There are a variety of film loaders online. I've read some threads talking about um, different film loaders. I've read very few complaints about light leaks, and this is a highly regarded film loader. And I have to tell you, I mean, I've known that there have been 35mm film loaders since I went to school. Yeah. But I really was always too, like, intimidated. It's, it's a very daunting task, it, it would is. appear. So but is it? No, it's not. And actually, simple. I've been so roll crazy in the last few months that now the uh, filmphotographystore.com, our store, now stocks hand-rolled 35-millimeter film that I roll. <laughs> and also, you could buy 100-foot rolls of, you know, like that Eastman Double mm. X, yeah. Kodak Fine Grain. It's yellow. The film's yellow. Is it really? Yeah, it's yellow. Wow. Remember I showed you? Uh, Yeah. You don't remember? No, I ha- actually have a roll. Oh, you do? Yeah. What I, I have a, a, I have a roll of yellow, blue, and red. 
Okay. Uh, the blue They're all very low ASA. Blue and the red are probably from our good friend Lance from Belgium. Mm-hmm. His laboratory.com website. Yeah. So to home roll a film, all you need is the rolling machine. Now, even though that's supposed to be light tight, do you do it in subdued <laughs> lighting? Yes. Just to make sure? No. I load the film. You would do it in daylight like this? Yes. Oh. I load the film. I load the 100-foot roll of film. Into the machine in total darkness. Right. Or in a film changing bag. Yes. Once it's in the machine and tightened up, you could, you know, I wouldn't recommend rolling it in daylight, but Mm. I roll it in a room with a lamp on and a television on, catching up on episodes of Seinfeld. (laughs) And uh, the Louis 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 C.K. show. It's a great show. Yeah. Do you know that's on the FX network? Yes. Do you know they're on season four starting next year? I didn't know they got renewed. Uh, season three is And he's also in the new Woody Allen movie So here it is Here's the Boba Quick AP film loader hmm. You would load A 100 foot roll of film Into this So you You know You may say Well what is the purpose of this Well You know how like Sometimes you buy A 36 exposure roll A 24 exposure roll yeah. And some people You may want to roll A 12 exposure roll 15 exposure uh, 4D exposure roll Yeah that would like, be helpful You could like Do whatever you want And you could buy Some wacky film stocks You can go to ebay.com And you can find 100 foot rolls Of some you know Crazy film stocks That no, no longer exist Really? Yes a Buy directly from uh, Kodak Or from us The film photography store You could buy Kodak Tri-X uh, Kodak T-Max Ilford Films mm. Ilford uh, HP5 Really? Uh, FP4 Yeah really So Basically, you take your film, which is, it would be a much... Uh, the FPP sells it as a kit. You get the machine, a roll of white artist tape, 20 of these. Canisters? 12, 30... Tw- <laughs> 20, 35 millimeter cor- empty cartridges. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah, it is. Uh, you do have to buy your own film, and you do have to buy your own pair of scissors. Ah, rip off. <laughs> so you get your 100-foot roll of film, which for this demonstration is just a little roll. Mm-hmm. And the first thing you do is you take your end of your roll with your scissors, and you cut the end of the film so it's a circle. Do you remember doing this for anything? Yeah, I was going to say loading that, uh, what was that crazy camera we had to load? Oh. Bell and Howell? No. No, it was the... The 16, Cine 16? Yeah, it was, it was a the monster. You had to use like 100 feet CP to... CP-16. Re- That's what it was. It was a nightmare. You had to use like literally like 20 feet to now, load the damn thing. I struggled with this thing for quite a few months before finally figuring that the little winder thing has to be in the camera. <laughs> Stupid. And then what you do is... if you Yeah, take a eyeball that. You see the little compartment? See the thing up top? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, I take... Got to feed the film up there. You feed the film. And you're doing this in the dark. You take your film like this. Mm-hmm. Then you put it in there like that. Everybody seeing this? Yeah. Yep. I'm going to do a video. <laughs> then I, I usually do this. Lick it. I lick it to get a little traction. Lick it. And then it kind of just... Catches? Catches. Now, it will take you some time to, you know, get the hang of this. Especially in the dark. Look at that. First time. Look. Oh. Well, you're an Bingo. old pro, man. You're then you take your roll. Stick it in. And you literally just <clears> drop <throat> it in. Then you take the trap door. <laughs> like that. Hermetically seal it. Yep, close it up. Now you're light tight. And I, I, I truly mean this. If I can do it, anyone can do it. Because and I'll I vouch for that. Totally like, what? I, like I had no concept of how this worked. Now you take your, your film, now you cut it. Yeah, I would see how it would be key to kind of round the edge of that to load it in. Yeah. Now you take, a, you take your white <clears throat> artist tape, and I cut little strips. Now, 
this is not this is how I do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could do it your own. You could find your own, you know, your own groove. Probably going to have to. Well, how, how did you learn how to do it? Did you watch a video? I was no, I didn't watch. You it. fumbled. I fumbled. I figured I was so worried. I was like, "Oh my god, how do you attach film to a roll so that it stays?" And now that I'm us- using the Canon EOS cameras, mm. it sucks the whole roll in. Yeah. And then it puts tension on it, and then it rolls back. Yeah. That's a good test. Ah, to, to see, see if you did it right. If it works. Because if it keeps on going... That's bad. Then what do you do? You just wasted that roll. I, I, I've been lucky. So you take the piece of tape, right? Yeah. You put it there like that. I mean, look at that, right? Yeah. Then you eyeball it and line it up nicey nice. So wait, there's a little bit of leader in, in the canister? Yeah. Right oh, there. okay. I'm gonna, there's going to be a video online for this for you folks out there listening. Like, what? A radio show where you're like doing a visual demonstration. <laughs> and then so you take oh, you take both sides. Yeah, look at that. Now, I found that it wasn't going in as smooth as I wanted to. It was getting caught. Yeah. So then I take the scissor. Got to trim it. I trim these little. So first you lick it. Then you stick it in, then you trim. <laughs> I guess. All right. Then I, I trim these little nubs off the film. Yeah, trim it. <laughs> now you'll see that the film goes in. Look how smooth that went in. Ah. Canister goes in there, right? You close the lid. Look at that. You just crank it till it stops. Now you put your lever in here, right? the lever. Right? Put that in there, like, till it clicks. Now here. It's a counter? Counter. Oh, you set it to what you want? You start at. At the arrow, oh, because yeah. it counts the, you know, how the leader, you need a leader, le- little, ah, l- that, that, little, little, need a little leader. Mm-hmm. And now, check this out. There's also this. What does that do? That resets. That resets so you know how much film you have left. Oh. Isn't that awesome? Oh, look at that. It's crazy, right? Yeah, it's cool. So now you just look. Looks kind of rickety. <laughs> It's not. It's not. So I, I put, made a six exposure roll. Take this. Take this lever out. Sh- open so the top, and the film is now. As you see, there it is. Mm-hmm. You cut it. And that's it. That's it. Unbelievable, right? It's pretty easy. Very easy. Yeah, because I shot a bunch of film that you rolled. Yes. I got twenty five exposures on a twenty four exposure roll. That's because I was, you know, I wasn't thrifty. You were generous. I was generous. Yeah. I always get extra. You do? I always. Like on a 36 exposure roll, I get like 39. Yeah. 38. So that's it in a nutshell. You could roll your own 35 millimeter film. Um, if you buy it from the FPP, filmphotographystore.com, you get the roller. You mm-hmm. get a, 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 a roll of uh, artist tape, which, yeah. by the way, is not cheap. It's like no. gaffer's tape. Yeah. Tape is not cheap. And you also get 20 uh, spent 35 millimeter cartridges. That, That's good. Yeah, that you could just... So you're, you're pretty much set. You're up and ready to go. You just need to buy the film and some skizzers. <clears throat> now, you may say, well, what if I need more? Because out of 100 feet of film, uh, 24 exposure rolls, you can get about... Get about 30, 30 plus rolls of film. 30, really? Maybe 33, 34 wow. rolls of film. Wow, no kidding. So you may need more films. You can go to your local pharmacy or, or, or lab... They you just got to buy the bucket full. They, ha- they, they just dump them out? They just dump them. Yeah. You can say, hey, <laughs> hey, can I have your spent cartridges? Hey, mister, can it's I like, have your spent cartridges? It's like, hey, you know, and... Um, like, get away from me, kid, you bother me. Exactly. And that's the way to roll your own film. 
you, go. you can send us an email at podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. Uh, I'd love to hear from you if you've done it, if you're a home roller, if you intend on home rolling. If you're if you rolling wanna, your own. If you want to get into home rolling, it would be awesome. And what I'm doing here at the FPP and making it available to our listeners in the store is I'm now starting to import film. Like I have a lead of some film from Ukraine. No kidding. Yeah, made right in Ukraine at the old... Uh, uh, the old Shmina yes, factory? Yes, the old yeah. Shmina lab. They saw a lot of that. I bought some test film. I swear to God, you'd never seen anything like it. The black and white film was wafer thin. It was like really? Tissue. It was awesome. It was tissue oh. paper. Wow. So I'm experimenting with getting some film. And, of course, we carry the famous Polypan F, which you could buy in a roll or in a 100-foot roll. Is that 6 ASA? No, no, no. 50. Polypan F is 50. 50. Yeah, 50. Um, we carry the Ilford 50. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking into getting stuff from Ukraine. Uh, good friend Michael Kalea sent me a link to a, a India, a plant no in India. No kidding. Yeah. Yikes. So it would be nice to get some different stocks sure, in. Sure. That will be fun. To try to kind of mix it up and, you know, have some film fun. And a big thanks to our friend Nasir over in the UK. Oh, yeah, what, what did he do? He head up the unofficial FPP oh, walk. Yeah, how'd that go? It went oh. great. It happened in August. Wish you know, last gone, month, dude. Nasir and a bunch of FPPers, including some some old favorites yeah. like uh, some some good friends like uh, you, Hugh, Hugh. I thought you were pointing to me. You, no, no Hugh I didn't was go. There. I didn't go. You remember Hugh? Oh, Hugh went. Yes, of course. Of course. Quite a Darren few. Darren show up. Darren did not go. No. no. He's been uh, traveling the world every time I hear from him. He's, he's like, oh, I was in Scotland. Oh, I was in France. He's traveling with his music. Yeah, good yeah. for him. So thanks, Nasir, real quick. Thanks, thanks, Nasir, for heading up that unofficial FPP yeah, absolutely. walk in the UK. I want to thank everyone for making this show fantastic. What a wonderful show. All the folks. What a wonderful show. All the folks writing in, you can write to us at podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. Oh! That's John. Speaking through the uh, Pops tube. Pops tube. <laughs> it is. It's the tube that Pops send us. Yeah. Pops tube. What do you got, Russell, man? I want to thank everyone. I want yeah. to thank our good friend Amy Davies, who did our interview with Amy Arbus. Thank you, Amy Arbus. Vivian Lee, thank you very much for the Terry O'Neill, awesome Terry O'Neill interview. I want to thank uh, everyone out there who's uh, been listening to the show. We're back in action. Please do visit us at thefilmphotographystore.com. We have 620 film, hand-rolled film, large format film, now carrying 8x10 film. Please do visit the store. Wow is right. We're going to be back in two weeks. Thanks to everybody who's spreading the word about film. It's been, really, it's, 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 it's been an exciting year, and there's no end in sight. Great. No end in sight. So I'll see you in two weeks. Two weeks, two weeks. You sound like a bird.
check one. Alpha, check one. Alpha. Let's send a message to all our brothers down the road. Super amazing.